All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back. We've got another amazing guest for you guys today. Uh, I'm excited because uh, Jack McDonald, uh, he's a power player, man. I mean, he is working with uh, Arthur Brito, who was one of the co-founders of Ripple. Uh, Jack is the CEO. He is running the show at PolySign. So we're going to figure out uh, what PolySign is, how they're making waves in the blockchain industry. Uh, and we're going to learn about Jack's background and kind of why he decided to join us crazy crypto guys uh, in the cryptoverse. So Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, before we, before we really dive into PolySign and, and some of the really, you know, innovative things that your team is working on, give us a little background, catch us up on, you know, why you joined this industry and, and really why you uh, decided to join PolySign um, of all the places you could have gone. Well, it's a great question, and I uh, every now and then you got to stress test it in uh, market drawdowns like this. Um, but I, I say that in jest. I, I love the industry. I've learned a ton. My whole background is in traditional financial services, and up until a little over three and a half years ago, um, I was a, a you know traditional finance guy. Um, basically, I uh, was running a company. Most recently, I grew up in the business. Was a early stockbroker. Um, I, I worked at UBS, a managing director. Uh, running their West Coast markets business, and then went to a private company called Conifer, where we had a broker-dealer, where we did trading and prime brokerage, and, a, and we also had a fund administration business, and ultimately sold those businesses off and was looking to do something different. And through a BC friend of mine who was an early investor in Ripple, uh, he knew Arthur, and he said, hey, I think you should meet Arthur Brito. And if you would have asked me at the time, I had zero interest in joining a startup, zero interest in crypto. 
and and here I am. And I think I had a pedestrian knowledge at best that maybe could have gotten me through a cocktail party. The difference <laughs> between blockchain and Bitcoin. I, I think people I, always love the uh, the skeptic turned believer or skeptic. Yeah, but turned... I, I was I wasn't a skeptic. I will say, you know, from having just read the the news over the you know prior ten years or so, it felt to me like there would be this convergence of of kind of new technology in, in financial markets and the old. And I had seen when we moved from, you're too young, but we used to be in the, in the traditional capital markets, a T plus three settlement, and we moved to T plus two, and it was like a standing ovation, miraculous. And for that, people who actually who don't know T plus two and three, could you kind of uh, illuminate that? Yeah, it's a big difference in the way that, that the crypto markets work today, where everything is pre-funded. If I want to buy your Bitcoin, we meet on an exchange. You put your Bitcoin on the table. I put my fiat on the table, and we swap, and we instantly settle. If I want to buy IBM stock today, I can call up my broker right now at, at Charles Schwab and say, I'd like to buy 100 shares of IBM. And I have trade date today plus two days to actually deliver my funds. And if you're selling that IBM to me, you have trade date today plus two days to deliver your shares. And then and then we we clear and settle the trade. So it's, it's referred to as post-trade settlement. Very, very different than, than the instant settlement that exists in the crypto market today. And Does part of it is because kind of the I'm sorry. Does crypto kind of disintermediate all all the T plus two and T plus three like tra- well, post settlement trade desks and stuff? It, it, it does. If if the whole financial market were to move to the the same sort of operational flow that the crypto markets work on, you would you would look at, at instant settlement. There are some challenges around that because, um, well, let me say two things. One, the reason we have trade plus two is in part legacy infrastructure you know technology evolves over time if you think about how wall street plumbing you know existed uh 20 years ago 50 years ago you know it has evolved we were, we went from paper registry you know certificates to digital certificates etc and the the ecosystem and the infrastructure needs to kind of catch up with that there's also a benefit to having delayed settlement to correct any errors that may have happened in the trade process so I fat fingered a trade and I, I bought a thousand shares when I only meant to buy a hundred and you're able to go back and unwind that before any real damage is done. Um, if I were to be constructive, I would say that's one reason why you know post-trade settlement works because you can correct these errors. It also uh, allows funding to take place where if I wanna make a big position, I don't have the wire set up, I've got more time to actually fund the position in the best of intentions and the best of world. So, it works and it generally, uh, you know, keeps investors uh, safe, et cetera. The cynical side would say that it should be a lot more compressed. We should be at T plus one or instant settlement because blockchain technology and DLT exist today. And you could have a much more efficient uh, streamlined system that would be more cost effective because there aren't as many hands in the cookie jars enjoying the, the cost of the float over a two or three day period. So when I post my money and we don't settle a trade for a couple of days, someone's making interest uh, on my money or they're taking my money and turning and lending it out. And so there is a lot of installed friction in the system that works to the benefit of a lot of legacy providers that will be, to your point, disintermediated as, as this new technology infiltrates its way into traditional capital markets. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the idea of, you know, these open public networks, these open blockchains that are not only, you know, instantly able to be settled, 
um, but they're decentralized and you don't have to trust any, you know, financial institution that, you know, they're being, you know, honest actors. And honestly, at the end of the day, I don't have to go to a bank to wire money. It's a miserable experience, right? It's a miserable experience sending money across the border or sending money even to, to friends uh, to wire or whatever. Um, and, you know, the, the idea also of like, when I go and I wire money, I have to tell them who I'm wiring it to, why I'm wiring it. And then it takes two days to get there, whatever. And so uh, kind of like, you know, just the censorship resistance aspect of crypto is, is also really, really cool. Is there, is there you know, besides um, the, the, the quickness of settlement that blockchain really offers, what would, you know, now, now kind of diving into poly, uh, poly sign, what are the, the aspects of, of poly sign? You know, what does it leverage about the blockchain to make it really a unique system that couldn't have been accomplished without blockchain, like in the old world? Sure. Well, and there's two other factors that that um, I thought of when you were discussing the, the the time it takes. It's also the cost associated with sending an ACH wire and the error rate. I think the error rate is mm. somewhere in the double digits of of mistakes that happen. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and at Polystyne, what we're doing is building institutional grade infrastructure that is designed to improve custody and settlement in capital markets. Essentially, is what we're doing, and we do it in a unique way through proprietary blockchain that has been developed by Arthur Brito, as well as David Schwartz. David Schwartz, I'm sure you know, he's the current CTO and chief cryptographer at Ripple. He's on our board. He's an advisor to the company. He and Arthur were responsible for designing and developing the XRP ledger. And they've taken that generational experience, really. If you think about what the Bitcoin chain is uh, and, and look at the, how that chain evolved to what XRP is in terms of speed of throughput, transaction cost, security, time, et cetera, really second generation blockchain technology that Arthur and David developed. They've developed the third generation for us that even has more scalability and throughput and, and security features uh, to it. We are unique in that we're the only custodian. We have, we have two basic um, business products, if you will, that we're bringing to market, a custody product and a settlement product. Uh, the custody is, is first to market. It's called Standard Custody and Trust Company. About a month ago, we announced the final authorization by the New York Department of Financial Services. We're fully authorized trust company now in New York, licensed to provide custody and escrow services for digital assets writ large. So beyond just cryptocurrencies, but other types of tokenized or digitized assets that meet our asset betting policy, we can support. And we're really excited about that. We do it in a unique way through a blockchain that we've built that's native, a private blockchain to standard custody that allows us to essentially run business logic through HSMs. We developed our own multi-party computing uh, algorithm, didn't use any third parties. And we run that business logic through HSMs in a way that results in a highly secure, better than cold storage sort of solution. Um, insured uh, with our partners at Marsh, and institutionally focused. So we're really excited about that. We're, we're working very hard with Cowan, who just led our Series B round, and blockchain.com, another strategic investor, uh, to help them uh, fulfill their business aspirations um, in the US in terms of, of products that they want to bring to market. So this is extremely exciting for me. And I think everybody who, who's at home listening as well, this is very exciting because maybe PolySign isn't necessarily, you know, a token that we're going to be trading. It's not a system that, you know, the retail guys are necessarily going to be using, but you guys are serving a very, very, very important customer. And that's the institutions who are starting to adopt uh, the crypto markets. And so 
kind of give us a, you know, a lay of the land, like what sorts of institutions uh, would, you know, in theory or in practice, are you catering? Um, what are some of the big players that are really getting in the game that, that kind of get you excited? Well, I get excited by seeing um, a number of uh, large uh, hedge funds or family offices who are stepping into the space. You know, Paul Tudor Jones has been vocal of late about the, the um, investment benefits of of cryptocurrency uh, investments that he's making. I get excited by a number of the corporates, not only the micro strategies and the squares of the world um, who are uh, stepping in and, and looking to add cryptocurrencies or other types of virtual currencies to their balance sheet. Because I think the whole corporate uh, side of this equation can really be exponential in terms of adding to the growth. Um, we, we are servicing those type of, of clients as well as um, uh, OTC desks family offices, we've been speaking to some very large pensions and endowments of late who through investments that they've made in third party VCs, for example, they're starting to get distributions or dividends in the form of a token and have a custody need for that. Uh, we're also finding that uh, a lot of the liquidity providers in the space and exchanges have outgrown homegrown custody systems as the volume has increased. I think of many of them as really reluctant custodians where they, they built a, a brokerage business or an exchange. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try change business um, and had the custody business as a, a, a kind of a necessary evil that followed. And as the volume has gotten to the point where it is realizing that they would be better served by outsourcing that to companies like Standard Custody, they're exclusively focused on custody. Uh, we're also uh, finding a lot of interest from entities who otherwise had licensed some MPC software or other types of, of um, software to essentially enable them to self-custody and finding that those solutions, A, they're not regulated, they're not custodial, they're non-custodial wallet really, and that may not serve their needs going forward. There's just a breach from one of the large providers uh, announced today, um, which is unfortunate. You know, no I was gonna to ask see, you about that yeah. actually, that was my next question. Yeah, no one likes to see it. You know, we root for the industry here, so I don't like to see you know competitors or other members of the ecosystem suffer losses or hacks. But I think it does shed some light on um, 
what solutions are purpose built for what type of entities and what sort of applications. And this is not a one size fits all, you know, sort of business. I do want to mention just quickly because um, we're talking about the institutional side, but also on the um, on the retail side, our settlement product really envisions a world where you can trade and instant atomically settle the broadest possible range of asset classes, ultimately amongst individuals and regulated parties that would be allowed to um, enter into this ecosystem, we're calling it Polynet, that essentially would allow you who wants to trade uh, for a private company share in, in a company, let's say in PolySign, and I want to take that and, and swap it for a unitized interest in a, um, in a VC fund, and, and that person wants to swap it for a fractional share in a real estate building, and that person wants to swap it for a cryptocurrency. All those different uh, transactions in varying degrees could be supported today with individual siloed sort of marketplaces. What we want to do is bring more liquidity and break down the barriers of those silos to interoperate and interconnect, be a connective tissue between all those different sort of platforms and protocols and memorialize events that happen on each one of those chains, not store everything on our chain, but basically just memorialize attestations and allow for the problem of who's going to go first. You and I don't know each other, yet we want to swap assets. Mm -hmm. Who's going to go first? And we, we, you can think of it as almost a guaranteed settlement that almost works in an escrow-like way where I get proof that you're private company shares are unencumbered and free to trade. You are who you say you are. Um, you get comfort that I am who I say I am and I've got the funds to buy that. And then we can take memorializations of those two, those two affirmations and then allow an instant atomic settlement. And that's really powerful. Yeah, just completely eliminating counterparty risk essentially. But, and it, it, Yeah, and it replaces trust with truth is really what it ends up doing. I love and that. We're, we're, we're able to do that, you know, given the power of the blockchain technology that we've built. That's fascinating. Have you seen like most of most of the people that you're working with, most of the people in the industry, um, are are they focused only on Bitcoin? Are you seeing folks that are like interested in the decentralized finance or DeFi movement? Um, what are your kind of your thoughts behind the the dichotomy between like DeFi and then like strictly digital gold? I think that I've had literally thirty five plus meetings with. Uh, institutional investors in the last three weeks uh, since we announced this partnership with Cowan, getting on the phone with, wow. with current clients of theirs. In the midst of the dip as well. People are still excited. <laughs> I think I think there's more people interested now in the dip. I mean, obviously it shakes out some of the FOMO buyers, but for people who felt like it was getting away, this is a gut check. Well, here it is, you know, 50% cheaper. You still have that same conviction that you had six weeks ago about what the future looks like. And if so, things are on sale. You should be gobbling them up, right? Absolutely. Um, so I'd say a couple of things. The, the common theme that we're hearing in these conversations is that there is a conviction that the future involves digital assets. Organizations are getting comfortable around the, the not only the education required to understand what the different assets are, but the, the infrastructure and the regulatory clarity that is going to be needed to allow institutions to really invest in the space. And we're finding that there's a much greater level of, of um, willingness to do that if you can do it through a counterparty that you already do business with. So if there's a given hedge fund that does business, again, with Cowan, because we're, we're working very closely with them right now, all of a sudden they say, well, gee, if I can buy and hold and, and, and service the asset uh, through a relationship that I already have with Cowan, 
perhaps with us as a, as a sub-custodian, for example, that's a very different formula than me going up, opening up an account at an exchange in a foreign country that I'm not comfortable with or right. a new you know, service right. provider that's a custodian and it kind of forces me to rewire all of our plumbing. So, so there's that kind of operational conversation. I think most people would, uh, most institutions would likely start with Bitcoin as the first. It's a bellwether asset. It's where most of the volume is. So for big institutions, you want to come in and buy a $50 million position or $100 million position. Hard to do that with some of the smaller uh, cap names. Um, DeFi is absolutely a topic of conversation that people are starting to wrap their heads around. What does it mean? Um, you know, and, and what are the different uh, opportunities? But what people are very attracted to is how you fully service the asset and, and leverage it through yield farming or mm. through staking. Uh, or through any of these number of different applications. Personally, I'm wildly bullish. I just made the largest personal investment in a, in a fund recently, in a DeFi fund. Um, and I see that as the future. I think we're just in the in the very early innings of, of you know, where this segment of the ecosystem is going to go. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I run a DeFi focused fund as well. And, you know, we've been having record inflows. People are still extremely, extremely bullish on this market. And um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we're also are always thinking about just like what exists now that didn't exist in 2017, everything like 2017 was a nightmare. People were running funds off of Google spreadsheets and like, it, it was, it was literally an, an insane time. And now there's custodians, there's settlement systems, there's, you know, uh, smart order routing execution systems, the, the everything's connected. So when I see a dip like this, and I'm like, this is a 50% dip, a hash rate has fallen 50%. And there's always been a historical correlation there. The people in China are, are, are fudding this market. And, and that's kind of, but like the market is so much more fundamentally robust with the infrastructure, like stuff that PolySign has built. Um, and then the quality of players that are in this market are, are much higher than, than in you know, right. 2017, that retail FOMO. So I think that this, you know, 50% discount, I mean, even uh, this is just, this is a mid-market correction in my mind. I think that this market still has so much, so much further to go. And that's just going off gut, but it sounds like you kind of feel the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've taken great comfort in is that the infrastructure has largely held up through these, through these volume spikes you know, and the drawdown, you think about what happens in the traditional capital markets when you have crazy volume days or big drawdowns in the market, circuit breakers, et cetera, you know, for a relatively nascent uh, industry, I think the overall um, stability of the market has been quite impressive. And I think that should give great comfort to institutional type investors who have been looking at the space and considering this as an entry point, having a greater level of conviction and confidence that, that this is actually something that's going to work. Jack, a lot of people, uh, Americans, I get a question a lot. What if America bans Bitcoin? What if America starts their own central bank digital currency? Does that completely, you know, invalidate uh, cryptocurrencies and do they die? I might, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll get your take before I give my take. If, if the U.S. banned cryptocurrencies, I think two things would happen, uh, maybe three things. One cryptocurrency market would still be alive and well outside the US. It would take a hit near term, but a lot of those funds would, would just flow offshore for the people who are believers in it. Clearly, a lot of the um, innovation, this would just be tragic. A lot of the innovation and, and technology 
uh, spend that's happening here in development would go offshore. Uh, some large, you know, companies in the space have, have threatened that uh, or talked about it um, in light of you know some regulatory matters that are underway, and that would be a shame to lose this, I think, competitive advantage that we have right now in the U.S. in terms of all of the um, the brain power, the innovation, the intellect that's being focused on this space. And I think the other thing that would happen is that the whole digitization, tokenization uh, theme and um, really evolution and momentum that's happening outside of cryptocurrencies, but for other sort of digital assets would remain the same though. So I get asked a lot, we just finished the series B, you know, what happens if the crypto market goes to zero? At PolySign, we still have a very robust business for everything that I've been talking about with, with PolyNet and standard custody. I hope that the crypto business, you know, explodes from here, but I think the bigger opportunity for, for an infrastructure provider like PolySign is to actually build custody and settlement tools for digital assets, broadly speaking. And there will be a place, and I think the the um, evolution is too powerful and the momentum is too strong to adopt DLT technology across multiple aspects of the capital markets, traditional capital markets that have nothing to do with cryptocurrency. Mm. You look at real estate, you look at private capital markets, so inefficient, so illiquid, that can be improved meaningfully by adopting uh, blockchain-enabled um, support services and products. And there's a real interest in doing that on both the buy and the sell side um, to kind of overcome those inefficiencies. Absolutely. So we're not going away. Yeah, not going away. And, and yeah, the, the 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 digital assets market is bigger than just crypto, right? Like you Absolutely. said, digitize, yeah, digitizing. Exponentially bigger. Yeah. I wonder, you know, and I, I edit, you know, I'm kind of curious about like the total addressable market. I don't know if you have any figures offhand of like, digital stocks and bonds? Well, the total, I mean, and then this is a, a dated by a month or so. I think the total market cap of all, um, is it public equities? Public 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 securities, I think is 855 trillion. Wow. So if you, if like how much of that over time will be digitized? Uh, you know, pick a number, but it's yeah. massive. It's massive. Wow. It's, it's, it's just staggering. It's phenomenal, Jack. Let's leave on this note. Um, just in general, a lot of new people watching the the space. Uh, one word of advice from a guy who's an industry vet who's been building companies, whether it's you know a business advice or a piece of advice that you give to a, a person looking to buy their first Bitcoin. Um, just so, some words of wisdom. I'll give you two words of wisdom. I think um, on the on the crypto side, I tell everybody just buy some Bitcoin. Because you're going to think differently. I don't care if you put 50 bucks in. My kids have bought it, you know, just to buy some because you start, you pay attention differently. Mm. And um, I think that's a, a meaningful next step because you, you, you just start to follow and you learn a lot. You learn more when you have a little vested interest in it. And I would just say on the personal, you know, more, more broadly, you know, kind of business sense, I, I'm a firm believer that treating people well and treating people, you know, honestly ultimately accrues to your benefit and good things happen oh, and amen. you can never go wrong uh, by doing the right thing and, and treating people well it sounds simple not always easy to do um, but i think it, it's the only way to conduct yourself professionally amen yeah i mean guys get some skin in the game and be good right be good citizens of crypt nation be good to your neighbors uh jack Godspeed, my friend. I hope Polly sign, you know, everything goes well. Congrats on closing the Series B. And we look forward to uh, speaking to you again, hopefully very soon uh, with some more updates.
Thanks. I'd love it. And if you need a custodian for your DeFi fund, give me a call. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, boss. We'll talk All to right, you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.